clap enough for Jesus. Amen. We're having a great revival. We're glad you're back tonight. God has been moving every service. This is our third service. Tomorrow will be the fourth. And I know it's going to get better every service. I know God's got a word for me tonight. He's got a word for you tonight. Amen. Tell the person next to you, God's going to speak to you right now. Amen. How many believe that? Well, you know, those of you that know me, just the pastor, I love Tuesday nights. Because Tuesday was special for me. I was telling Pastor Gould that tonight, that Tuesday night was a night I got saved at a revival. So I love Tuesday nights. Have a special place in my heart. Amen. Because if it wasn't for a Tuesday night revival, I wouldn't be here. Did you get saved on Tuesday too? Amen. There's something powerful about Tuesday night. So I'm glad you're here. And, you know, Tuesday night's kind of that off night. And so some people say, ah, I, went, I went Monday, I went Sunday, I'll go Wednesday. But you came back tonight, and I believe there's something special for us tonight on Tuesday night. Amen. So let's get our hearts opened up to Pastor Gould and what he's going to preach tonight. And let God move at the altar. And let's finish strong tomorrow night. Amen. So let's give Pastor Gould another big hand tonight as he comes to minister to us. All the way from Phoenix, Arizona. Amen. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I tell you, I can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I sense the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's just keep our hearts open tonight. Amen. God's going to do something special. He's going to do something special tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I tell you, I'm just enjoying myself here, having a wonderful time hanging out with my big brother, <laughs> Pastor Blake, my soul brother. Amen. We're just having a good time. We just click. If I had to be with some men all the time in the ministry, this is one I choose to be with, Pastor Blake, because he's a good man. He loves God. Amen. He's serious, but he's real. Don't you like real people? Huh? Amen. Real people, people you can relate to. You know, you can, they'll look you straight in the eye and they'll tell you the truth, but they'll love you. Amen. Open your Bibles tonight to the book of Psalms in chapter 34 as we begin tonight. And tonight my desire is that you get a greater revelation of who Jesus is. We need to know who Jesus is. Hallelujah. And I just want to share this scripture in the introduction in Psalm chapter Psalm 34. Here in Psalms 34, excuse me while I retreat over here to get my spectacles. How many above 40 here tonight? Well, you know, there are little changes that come around 40. I'm only 29. I wonder why it came so early for me, but... Uh, I heard at around 40, you know, that happens. Amen. All right, Psalm 34. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Can you say that tonight? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. David boasts in the Lord. He goes about bragging about the Lord because 
You know, in one place, old David says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And David found that the Lord was so good that he had to go around boasting to everybody about the goodness of the Lord. You see, he came to know whom the Lord was. Some people talk about him, and you may hear someone else's testimony, but you know what? We got to know the Lord for ourselves. Yeah, my mama knew the Lord, my daddy knew the Lord, my brothers and sisters knew the Lord, but you know what? You got to know him for yourself. Amen. Jesus Christ asked a question to his disciples to try to understand whether or not they really knew who he was. And he says, so ask the question in Matthew 16 and 13, whom do men say that I am? And they began to give him different responses. Some say that you are Elijah. Some, uh, you know, say that you are John the Baptist. And they gave different answers as to what other people said about Jesus. But Jesus, no, 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 no. I don't want to know what they're saying. I want to know who do you say that I am. And they began to discuss it among themselves. And all of a sudden, uh, Peter blurts out, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him in verse 17, blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but it's been revealed unto you by my father who is in heaven. I want to say tonight to every one of you, and hear me very clearly, you need a revelation of who Jesus is. Amen. All the religious world can talk about Jesus, can sing about the little baby. Amen. Can talk about the one who died on the cross. But you know what? You have got to know him. And he desires that you may know him as well. And, and, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Christ responds to him and says, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. And so there was a revelation that Peter received by the Spirit of God. And to truly know Jesus, you have got to receive a revelation by the Spirit. Because the Bible says that the natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit. Your carnal man, your carnal mind, your carnal nature cannot really know him. But it says that these things are discerned by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. By the Spirit, these things can be known. Many Christians are living far below their inheritance because we are living in a surface realm when we should be living in a spiritual realm. We should be living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Amen. And then we can truly know who Jesus is. There's a story in the book of John in chapter 4. And at verse 10, and there's a woman who meets Jesus at the well. And uh, Jesus is there, and Jesus is tired. You see, he is in a human body, and so he is uh, experiencing fatigue and, and thirst. And he asks the woman, would you please give me something to drink? And this was a Samaritan woman. And the response of the woman was that, uh, uh, you know that you Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. You Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. In other words, why are you asking me for water? 
Now, this woman who allowed herself to be filled with discrimination and prejudice, when she made this comment, Jesus recognized that her problem was greater than his problem. He needed water, but she needed something much greater. And so Jesus began to focus upon her and said these words unto her, if you knew who it was or who I was that is asking you for water, then you would have given me to drink. If you knew the gift of God, if you understood the gift of God. You see, Christ is a gift given to humanity, and he can be right there in front of us, but we don't understand the gift that we have received. Therefore, we cannot receive all that God has given unto us. You can talk about Jesus, but until you truly know him, you will not be able to receive the fullness of what God has for you. And so we need to pray that God gives to each one of us a spiritual revelation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, and neither has it entered into the hearts of men those things that God has prepared for them. And then it says, But God has revealed them unto us by the Spirit. A lot of people just like to go to church and sing and have a good time and, and, and go home. But you know what? You need to come in the Spirit. Amen. We're living in a kingdom realm, which is a spirit realm, and we need to perceive and understand things by the Spirit, and we have not, cannot see these things naturally, but God says, I will reveal them unto you by the Spirit, even as the Spirit revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. We need a spiritual revelation of who Jesus is. David had a revelation of the Lord that he shares with us in the 23rd Psalm. And that is the title of my message tonight, The Lord is My Shepherd. Now, in this 23rd Psalm, there are several verses in the Psalm, but tonight I'm only going to speak on the first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. And I want to help you to understand what David understood. As David speaks these words, he is boasting in the Lord. And this 23rd Psalm was written by David and was a result of of his intimate communion with God. It was also a result of the revelation of God to him through the experiences that he went through and how God revealed himself to him through these experiences. Are you hearing me tonight? That is, as we go through experiences, God wants to reveal himself, his nature, unto us as we go through these experiences. And here's what David had to say in Psalm chapter 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23 is probably the greatest literary piece ever written. And it is the most widely used passage of scripture, I believe, for comfort, for strength, and for consolation of believers and unbelievers alike. If I were to ask you what is the most important scripture or the main scripture of the Old Testament, most of you would say Psalm 23. 
You wouldn't be saying, oh, it's the one where it says, thou shalt not steal. You wouldn't say, oh, it's the one where it says, oh, thou shalt not lie. You'd be saying Psalm 23. And here David speaks of who the Lord is. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. The English word Lord is interpreted from a Greek word, which is kurios in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, the word is Yahweh. The Hebrew word for Lord is Yahweh. Yahweh in the Old Testament refers to God. Whenever you see this word Yahweh, it is the only word that is used to refer to God. It's not used to refer to anyone or anything else. Now, Jesus Christ is our Lord. In Acts chapter 236, Peter said as he was speaking on the day of Pentecost, God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, understand that the people to whom Peter was speaking, these were Old Testament or these were uh, 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 Jews who had an understanding of the Old Testament, and uh, they were looking for uh, uh, the coming of the Messiah, but in their teachings about God, they always referred to God as Yahweh. And the word for Yahweh in the New Testament is kurios. And when Peter says, this same one you have crucified, God has made him kurios, he also is saying God has made him Yahweh. And so they knew who Yahweh was. They knew who God was. They knew about the faithfulness of God and how great he was and the many mighty things that he had done. And, and Peter says, Jesus is Yahweh. He is God. Amen. Now, as we seek to understand who this God of the Old Testament is, I want us to look at this first verse, and I want to try to break it down to you tonight. Jesus is God. Who is God? God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. Omnipotent, omnipotent meaning he has all power. Omnipresent means he is everywhere. And omniscient means that he is all-knowing. Now, as we look at God and who he is, some people say that they have some power, but compared to God, they're nothing because God has all power. Matthew 28 and 18 says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We know that some who have authority in the earth, kings and presidents and queens, they have some authority, but God is the supreme authority. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the supreme authority. Some upon this earth may own some things. They may be wealthy. They may have riches. And they own some things upon the earth. But my God is the owner both of the heavens and of the earth. 
Psalm 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Some who have authority, they may reign for a season, but the Bible teaches in the book of Isaiah, of his reign, there shall be no end. Hallelujah. And so when the Bible speaks of Jesus as Lord, then he is the one who possesses all of these characteristics. He is the one that possesses all this power. And so when uh, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying the one who is omnipotent, the one who is omniscient, the one who is omnipresent, that this Lord is my shepherd. And he's boasting. Saying, oh, you know, I know, I know about shepherds. I'm a shepherd myself, and you may have a shepherd, but the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. Now, as we look at these, four, these five words, the Lord is my shepherd, as he talks about the Lord, he's talking about someone who is in the present tense. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. When Moses was being sent from God to go and deliver the people of Israel, Moses asked the question to God, Lord, whom shall I say has sent me? And God says, tell him I am. Not was, not shall be, but I am has sent you. In English, this can only be interpreted as the present tense. So God says, I will be with you in whatever you are going through. I will not be late and I will not be too far ahead because I am and I will be right there with you when you need me. It is in the present tense. We need a God who can always be there when we need him. God wants to be I am. We need the God who said, I am a present help in a time of trouble. In Revelations 1, 17 through 18, Jesus says, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. I am the bread of life. I am the Lord that heals thee. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am with you always. I am your God. I know you by name for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the present God. He is the God who says, I am with you. The same uh, uh, I am that went with Moses is the same I am who is going with every one of us today. When you go into the battle, you can know that I am is with you. Next, we see that David, as he boasts about the Lord, says that the Lord is his shepherd. And the Hebrew word here for shepherd is ra'ah. And it means one who is a caretaker, one who is a protector, one who is a provider, a supervisor, a teacher, a ruler. And so the Lord is all these things for us. He is your provider. He is the one who supervises your life. He is the caretaker of your life. 
He is the one who is teaching you if you have a teachable spirit. Amen. Shepherd is a metaphor that is used to describe Jesus and his ministry. Jesus is one who tends to the flock. He is one who uh, guides us and leads us beside the steel waters and to the green pastures. David boastfully says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so it's not just anyone that is his shepherd. There's not just anyone who is your shepherd. It is the Lord, first of all, and he is a shepherd. He is shepherding you. You see, David knew something about being a shepherd because he was faithful in his, uh, in his uh, uh, task that his father had given to him to keep the sheep. And David knew how to keep the sheep. He knew how to take them to the green pastures. He knew how to uh, bring them beside the still waters. He knew how to care for them when they were sick. And he was a very good shepherd, so he knew what it meant to be an earthly shepherd. And so he compared his heavenly father to a shepherd, knowing that his father would shepherd him even as he was faithful in the shepherding of his own father's sheep. Now let's come down to this word, my. The Lord is my shepherd. Now just first of all, think of who we're talking about. God, Yahweh. The one who created the heavens and the earth. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say, I am the Lord's sheep. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He uses this possessive pronoun, my. Now, how can you and I possess the Lord? It seems impossible, doesn't it? But God wants us to know that he belongs to us. He wants you to know that I am yours and you are mine. He wants you to know that he is your personal possession, even though he is great, even though he is the creator, even though we should be subject unto him. He says, I will be subject unto you. I will be available unto you. I will be your God. You see how much he wants to be close to us. You see how much he wants to be a blessing to us and he wants to care for us. He says, you can call me shepherd. You can call me my shepherd. And so it's personal. God says, I am your God. And so we, he belongs to us. He is our God. There are others in the earth who may have gods, but our God is the one and the only true God. Hallelujah. And so we have to understand tonight that as we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is not just another God. He is not just another figure. When David says that the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying very clearly that I can boast in him and I don't have to worry about anything. You know, if you would say that, 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 that verse in a way to give emphasis, he would be saying this, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, I'm reminded of the scene, uh, I can't remember, I think the movie was Indiana Jones. And you know the scene where uh, he's in the street and this guy comes to him with his sword and he's singing his sword, you know? It's like the guy saying, look, I got my weapon. Then Indiana Jones pulls out the gun. 
He says, yeah, and I got mine too. It's like that. There may be all kinds of forces that can come against us in life. There are all kinds of things that may be coming to work against us. But I don't care how great those powers are. I don't care how great those forces are. We can look at it and say, oh, is that all you got? The Lord is my shepherd. You think you can beat me up and destroy me and get rid of me? The Lord is my shepherd. When David, see, he had experience. When he went against Goliath, Goliath came to him, and Goliath was terrorizing all of the children of Israel. The Bible says they were terrorized. But David comes to the king and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, properly, he could say it in this way. Who is this Philistine who is standing against the people whose God is God? How dare he come to terrorize the people of God? You see, David wasn't afraid. Everybody else was afraid. They were trembling, and they were standing on the mountainside, and they were afraid of Goliath. But David says, I know the Lord. He delivered me from the paw of the bear and the lion. And he says, and he will deliver Goliath into my hands. And when he went, and I like what he did, he didn't wait for Goliath to come to him. He ran towards Goliath. He says, I'm coming after you because I'm not afraid. I'm not running. I'm coming to you. I'm going to get rid of you. And he runs to him, and as he sees him, he says, you come to me with spears and swords, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. The Lord. Hallelujah. The word of God says the Lord is a strong tower. Huh? So we shouldn't use those terms flippantly. When you use the name of Jesus, the Bible teaches us that the demons tremble at the very name of Jesus. One time when Jesus went to, to this particular island, the demons came running and bowed down to him and says, have you come to torment us before our time? You see, they knew that they were already a defeated foe. They knew that Jesus had authority and power over them. And they even pleaded with him, permit us that we may go into the pigs. And Jesus did. But he had authority and they knew that he had authority. That's why it's important for us that when we walk with God in our daily lives, that we have an understanding and a revelation of who is our God and who is our Lord. And that we may be able to boast. You know, I read the scripture in the beginning. David says, uh, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, O Lord. Amen. We every day should be boasting in the Lord, boasting in his power, boasting in his goodness, boasting in his faithfulness, boasting in his mercy. Amen. No matter what may come, what you need to do is begin to boast in the Lord. You know, David was a man who had many trials and many struggles. He was running from Saul and his armies, and many times he was trapped in caves, and many times he was discouraged, but he would learn to go to the Lord, and then his spirits would be lifted up, and he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. In other words, don't magnify the problem. 
but magnify the Lord. Don't see how big the problem is, but see how big your God is. And as you continue to concentrate on how big God is, and not just speak words, just to try to be, you know, using the proper language, it's like using a formula. It's like the seven sons of Sceva who tried to cast the demons out this man, and they just used a formula. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. You see, they thought they had the formula right, but they didn't know the Jesus whom Paul preaches. When we come against demonic forces in life, they understand authority. They understand whether or not you have been with the Lord, whether or not you have been walking with him, whether or not you have been in prayer. And see, it's when you're in communion with God, folks, that is where you should be getting a revelation. Something that is stamped in your heart. And someone can come and tell you, you know what, that's not true. And you can say to them, you know what, I know it's true. There's no doubt in my mind, I know that is true. Because I have learned him. I've spent years with him. I've spent time with him. I've come to know my God over the years through experience. Amen. Through trials. The Bible says that each one of our faith must be tried so that it might be found to be genuine, mature. And so we must allow God to reveal his son to us. I encourage you to pray for a revelation of Jesus that you may know him and know him in such a way that nothing can shake you, that nothing can cause you to doubt, but you would be able to say in every situation, that's okay. The Lord is my shepherd. That's okay. The Lord is shepherding me. That's okay. The Lord is watching. That's okay, the Lord is supervising. That's okay, the Lord is providing. The Lord is protecting. David says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I will fear no evil. I will not fear any evil. We talked about fear last night. Why? Because we know who the Lord is. And what will fear do for us anyway? Fear cannot do anything for us because God is not going to move where there's fear and unbelief. He's not going to move where there's doubt, but he's going to move where there's faith. And sometimes you cannot go by your feelings, but you must go by what you know. Go by what you know. You know who God is. You know who Jesus is. And all you need to do is say, the Lord is my shepherd. A problem comes. Uh, and problems do come and they will come. Well, the Lord is my shepherd. Huh? The problem may still be there, but hey, as long as the Lord is your shepherd, you know what? He's going to get you out of there. He's going to take care of you. He's going to give you strength. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. Everything is going to be okay because God is there. And so you need to do like David, begin to magnify the Lord. Begin to lift your hands. Begin to worship him and begin to just meditate upon him and know that all is going to be well. Why? Because the Lord, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-present, the faithful God is your shepherd. Praise God. Let's bow our heads tonight in prayer. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus.